So welcome back everyone. I'm Janine from Mindcare Club Podcast. We are on episode 6 and this week we are taking part in World AIDS Day on December 1. So many of you might have already heard about HIV or the human immunodeficiency virus. As the name implies, this virus can severely weaken the immune system by targeting one of our body's defense mechanisms, the CD4 cell. And the body becomes so weak that it acquires more than 20 opportunistic infections or even cancers. We use the term AIDS or acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Now, to help prevent the progression from HIV to AIDS, people infected with HIV undergo antiretroviral therapy or ART. Global leaders have been working to end AIDS by the year 2030, and we saw some significant progress. But unfortunately, the COVID-19 pandemic has severely hampered the public health response and made it more difficult for people living with HIV AIDS to access HIV services. We still see cases of HIV AIDS on the rise with 29 new cases reported every day in the Philippines. Globally, there are 1.5 million of newly diagnosed and 37.7 million of people currently living with HIV in 2020. So our MindCare Club care team stands in solidarity with our citizens and global leaders to confront the inequalities that are driving the AIDS pandemic. We hope to increase awareness of HIV and AIDS and especially its mental health consequences. So for today's episode, we are pleased to welcome psychiatrist Dr. Ronaldo Garcia Elepano III, or Doc Ron. He has extensive experience in managing adult and geriatric patients with special training in managing dementia, addiction, LGBTQI+, and HIV clients. Thank you for joining us, Doc Ron. Thank you for having me, Janine, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about HIV psychiatry or mental health services that we can offer here at MindCare Club. Thank you very much, Dr. Ron. So mental health concerns regarding HIV AIDS isn't talked about enough. Dr. Ron, can you share with us some concerns you've encountered regarding this topic? For one, with any illness, as the usual paradigm that we use as consultation based on psychiatrists, There is a bi-directional relationship between one's mental health and medical illness. One can exacerbate one another. So it's important to have some form of liaison or someone to bridge that gap in order to improve the overall outcomes of any person's condition. And that is the same even with HIV. And HIV is so layered in terms of a condition. It's a chronic condition. And the good thing about it though now is it's no longer a death sentence, but it's riddled with a lot of misconceptions, myths, misunderstanding that a lot of people tend to still believe. And mental health services can be a good way or a good portal for one to improve their outcomes once they are diagnosed or once they get treated. And not only that, mental health care services can be an opportunity to prevent the growth or the growing number of people afflicted with HIV. Given that we are currently in the pandemic, we talked about how recently it's been hard for people living with HIV AIDS to be able to seek certain services that they might need, including that of mental health. Is there any room for telemental health consultations in relation to HIV? Definitely, definitely. The beauty of telemental health, we have a wider reach in terms of those who we can help. 
it's not as easy anymore to go to one's treatment hubs, unlike before, where you have the, you know, legroom or the liberties to just travel and go to your treatment hubs. One of the things that has shifted because of the pandemic in terms of service delivery is that you have to ensure that treatment should be continued. There's no interruption in the care. Before, um, treatment hubs are very specific. For every patient, you are designated a treatment hub. Location-wise, where it's more accessible to you, so you decide on which treatment hub you get to go to. Or some prefer certain treatment hubs by virtue of the kind of team that's in that treatment hub. Um, unfortunately, once you choose your treatment hub, it can be a bit of a difficult process to transfer. So you have to plot it out. For instance, you need to travel to a certain area in the Philippines where it might be difficult for you to go to your treatment hub. That's why you have to inform your treatment hub if you're going to need to transfer. Um, and now, um, because of this pandemic, the treatment hubs have decided to allow you being able to access your, your services, your medications, based on your geographical location. You don't necessarily have to stick to your treatment hub because some of the clients that we have or patients that we've had were stuck in you know, the provinces that they couldn't get out of their bubbles. So what we did was connect them to specific uh, treatment hubs where it's more practical for them to go to. Given uh, that we are talking about, uh, about HIV AIDS, it being an immunodeficiency illness, it's important uh, that we have the, these online consults in place so that they aren't at risk of going out during the pandemic. Definitely. We try to avoid as much as possible exposure. So HIV or people living with HIV uh, are more at risk of getting sick because of their immunocompromised state. So we want to avoid them being exposed unnecessarily. So telemedicine in general is a great option for, for patients or people living with HIV. That also includes mental health services because mental health services are primarily directed towards the talking cure. So it's less burden for them to have to go to the hospital and it's more accessible to them. And even me, because of my training, um, some clients come from, you know, outside Metro Manila just to see me. It's easier now to connect to me because of telemental health. Yes, that's wonderful. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's also beneficial that we have the online platform to ensure more of the confidentiality in place of going there face to face. Definitely, definitely. Um, the beauty, though, with most um, hubs is that they've set a certain network where they allow, you know, the best practice of confidentiality. You don't necessarily uh, go to a hub where it's primarily assumed what you're getting into. Most hubs now are sexual health hubs, and they offer a variety of sexual health services. So not because you go to that hub that you're automatically tagged as someone with HIV. And that provides that um, another layer or level of 
confidentiality or protection of one's sense of privacy. The same goes with uh, mental health services. Even prior to the pandemic, I am not necessarily saying that telemental health is better than face-to-face. They're They're equally good. That's why the assumption is you give that option to clients. Ultimately, it's the continuity of care that's very important, especially now that um, just because we have a pandemic doesn't mean other conditions stop happening. And even the cases, as you have mentioned earlier, continues to rise. Just because it's a pandemic doesn't necessarily mean we won't get new cases of patients living with HIV. And it's important for us to be able to connect them to the proper treatment channels. The new thing that we usually advocate for HIV is that there's life after HIV. It's no longer a death sentence. And sometimes it's very difficult to come to terms with that. A mental health professional should be able to bridge that gap. And I mean, someone who has experience and training and even from a first diagnosis, first contact, you know, testing services are trained to have some level of HIV counseling in order for them to be more comfortable um, first getting tested, secondly, getting retested, and finally getting treatment if necessary. So speaking of these consultations, can you run through what someone might expect from a consult? Okay, so let's start first if you are going to a treatment hub and you plan to get tested. There is a DOH-mandated protocol for you to get tested. First is to ensure confidentiality. So it is assumed that when you get to these testing centers that the testing centers should be first certified to provide HIV pre-test and post-test counseling services. So just so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming, I know it, you know, um, being getting tested for HIV can be riddled with a lot of anxiety. So it's important to have to do that. There is a form, there is a guide, or the testing counselor should be able to provide that. And then testing usually, you know, um, an average couple of hours, or it can be faster than that, depends on the testing modality that they use. Um, They can also talk about the results. Now, remember that the testing, um, if it is positive from a screening level, it requires that they get a confirmatory test before we say that it is positive. And the testing center should be able to provide support during this time. And if it is negative, they will have to reassess whether or not this falls under what they call a window period, depending also on the testing kit that they're using, which window period that they will use. But most would say an average three months. So if your last unsafe sexual contact is within three months, you might still be in a window period, so they would recommend you getting tested. If you have a highly active sexual life, they would recommend that you get tested at least twice a year. Now, what happens here is it can be one or two things. One is if it's negative, you are given all this sexual health advice that is necessary to continue maintaining good sexual health practices. 
And if it becomes positive, the next level comes in where you are connected to the start of you assessing your current health status. And obviously, you'll be started on antiretroviral treatments. And antiretroviral treatments are pretty much standard in our country, but certain medications now are being given for certain types of populations where there are certain contraindications based on your patient. Usually, once you become positive, there's a lot of emotional reactions that comes along with it. I mean, primarily, mm -hmm. there's shock. There's denial. It takes a while before you completely accept it. And it's important that from that moment, the counselor or the testing center should be able to provide necessary referrals whenever they go to that. And this is the time that they sometimes refer to me in the center where I consult with in the HIV hub in Medical City. We have a very good counseling service from the nursing center. And usually if they notice that the counseling services that they have been providing will not be enough, they then refer to mental health services and usually with me. And when they come to me, it's pretty much a lot of them coming to my clinic and talking about their story. When we talk about our, their story, we are able to, you know, zero in on what particular issues needs to be addressed from the here and now, and then we move backwards to a more deeper um, issue that we might need to address. It is also important if you are a mental health professional providing services for clients with HIV is to have um, basic knowledge of what the nature of the disease is. For one, um, with proper treatment, this it no longer is a death sentence. That's something that you have to inculcate and advocate also because a lot of clients feel that it's going to be the end of the world for them once they get diagnosed. Then you also usher towards them seeking proper treatment and adhering to the treatment. There's two, there's this, these are two different levels of care. Um, just because they start medications doesn't mean that they will stick to it. So it's important for them to be very treatment adherent because at the end of the day, without treatment, that's the time patients die. So um, it's important for them to be in very religious in their medications. And that's also our role as mental health professionals to ensure that our patients are adherent to the care regimen or the treatment regimen that they're in. And then finally, providing these treatments, it's important for you to understand the, apart from the nature of the disease, the nature of the medications that they're taking. Um, medications on their own can cause mental health disturbances. Most commonly observed reactions to an HIV diagnosis, or most of the time with our clients, we get a lot of anxiety and depression. Some may actually even develop psychosis, and that's you know the far end of the spectrum. So it's important for you to be able to screen for these symptoms. Suicidality is very high also. And this is not just limited to the reaction of, to the diagnosis, but also the disease itself. And finally, with medications. So it can be a little bit nuanced. It's a little bit tricky to have to handle all this. But once you are in the care of a trained mental health professional, things can be treated, can be avoided, and can be managed properly once you seek mental health services.
Thank you for that, Dr. Ron. There's a lot of things I'm learning for the first time now also. Can I know, so when we talk about, let's say, people coming in for mental health concerns as a result of the diagnosis or any of the consequences developing from HIV AIDS, and let's say they do require medications for depression, anxiety, psychosis, etc. Are the medications um, safe with the ARTs? Okay, I think that's a great question. Um, I always say this, and when I teach medical students, even residents, that whenever you start patients on medications, regardless of um, what condition they are in, you have to do a medication review. Um, so usually with HIV, especially if they are in the initial phase of the diagnosis, there's a lot of medications on board. So it's important for you to do a medication review and do a drug-to-drug interaction. Generally, the rule here is if you can avoid adding to the pill burden, that's great, you know. So this is where psychological treatments are so effective. So I invest a lot on doing a lot of psychological modalities to my clients rather than start them on medication reflexively. But truth be told, most of the time, because we have such great nurse counselors in our hub, when they get to me, most likely it's already a trigger for them to be on medications. That being said, a lot of medications can be safe provided that they don't have relevant interactions on the medications that they're taking. So people would ask, what are the usual good medications? I've had very good experience with the use of fluoxetine and sertraline. Depends on the profile. You may also, if they have bipolar disorder, they need a mood stabilizer. Divaproic sodium is a good option, provided, again, that you monitor the baseline labs and the drug-to-drug interaction. Finally, it can be a little bit tricky when they need to be started on an antipsychotic. I've had patients who had psychosis, and I think it can be a little bit daunting to start an HIV client with an antipsychotic because potential immunosuppression side effects. Generally, it's safe as long as you're able to monitor it. And again, take note of the relevant drug-to-drug interactions. Mm-mm. Okay, thank you. And you mentioned a while ago that there are a lot of other psychological treatments available, so including psychotherapy, I would think, now with the counseling psychotherapy. And I feel that it's also important that we are in an environment that is supportive for us. Um, usually, how would a person best support someone living with HIV and AIDS? The, the usual model that we employ whenever we see clients or patients is the biopsychosocial spiritual model. So you need to look at it in that aspect whenever you treat clients. So are you addressing the biological needs? This goes without saying, if you have an HIV client, are they on ARTs? Are they on that regimen that is right for them? Is there a need for us to shift medications? And do I need to give medications? Because Obviously, medications will always have a role, whether be it the ARTs, but are also psychiatric medications. Secondly, you look at the psychological approaches that you can use or maximize. If you don't, if you can get away with not adding again to the pill burden, maximizing psychological treatments are very helpful. 
So a lot of supportive psychotherapy as a start, and then psychodynamic, more explorative types of therapy might be helpful depending on the the goals of your clients. CBT is very important, but I think from a client base perspective, knowing for well that population of HIV is um, MSMs. So you have to have a gender affirmative approach from a psychological standpoint. So sometimes you hear clients complaining that they feel judged for coming in. So it's important for you to have a non-judgmental stance when you are seeing these clients. And then finally, um, the social spiritual approach. Um, spiritual is not necessarily religion, but having to believe, uh, you know, a higher meaning in what is happening to you and accessing as much as possible social um, approaches to care. So this goes without saying that, you know, you try to connect them with someone who they can be open to and support them. It can be a little bit difficult to disclose the diagnosis to family members. So that is part of what we work with in therapy that obviously from a legal perspective, it's important to have a family member who is aware of your diagnosis, but it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. It does take time. So where do they get their support? Ultimately, from friends. They start opening up to friends. If not friends, someone who also is a community, someone who belongs also from that community. In Medical City, we have a support group, and that has somewhat built some level of relief from the burden of having to carry the diagnosis on their own. And usually my plea to, to those who have not been afflicted or know somebody who has been afflicted with HIV is to come to them with, you know, an open mind and non-judgmental, you know, stance, the way we do it in therapy also. But it takes time. So it's important to have a lot of opportunities to be educated. There's a lot of wonderful information for us to digest. Uh, there's a lot of educational campaigns out there to for you to be more aware uh, about HIV. So you have to debunk the misconceptions that, okay, you can get HIV from hugging, sharing their utensils. Uh, I, I remember there's, I mean, of course, from a social perspective, they feel that, okay, if I have HIV, I can't share the, the dip with you just because I have HIV, you know. And remember that the stigma goes both ways, that people living with HIV do feel that they have their own internalized stigma and they do experience also external directed stigma towards them. So I think it's important for us to be more aware as a community and more accepting and supporting for people living with HIV. One of the campaigns right now for HIV is that you is equals you. So once you get treated, you are you become and the measure for effective treatment is your viral load. If you reach an undetectable level of viral load, you are automatically considered as untransmissible. So we become then a generation where HIV no longer becomes an epidemic. It no longer becomes so worrisome that, okay, because I have HIV, I will infect the community. No, once you get treated and the treatment works, you reach a point where you no longer become a threat <laughs> the way you see yourself as a threat. You are no longer 
infectious. And that's why the campaign here is U equals U, and we become a generation that ends HIV. And we are nearing that. Um, once you get treated and the treatment works, you reach a point where you no longer become a threat <laughs> the way you see yourself as a threat. You are no longer infectious. If the, the, the goal is 2030, I mean, we are getting there. Thank you for this. Actually, there are a lot of things that you mentioned. And one thing that struck me was that there's a lot of internalized stigma and having that understanding of the viral load helps. In fact, I remember a few of a few patients coming in with the concerns that because of being afflicted with HIV, that they will no longer have a life ahead of them, especially a romantic life ahead of them. Um, so in a way, do you have any parting words for the listeners out there with those concerns? I, I like talking about love after HIV, we usually talk about it with the support group during Valentine. The reality here is that HIV now is just a status. It's, it doesn't necessarily determine your life. Um, once you get treatment, and you can live a normal life. They say that you have a higher chance of dying from a car accident than from HIV once with treatment. So that means even in a relationship level, once you get through these issues, you can have a healthy relationship and you are no longer limited to just having a relationship with someone who is also living with HIV. So that's the beauty here. We call it uh, zero discordant couples. You can have that healthy relationship. And of course, I have to say, it's never too late. Whatever stage you are in HIV, treatment has been so effective that even clients with very low levels of CD4 counts gets to be pulled out because of treatment, as long as you become open to treatment. So take that first step, get tested, and never be afraid of whatever comes out of it because there's always a life after an HIV diagnosis. Thank you so much, Dr. Ron, for sharing with us your expertise in the field of HIV AIDS, especially in relation to the consequences of mental health. So for more information regarding HIV AIDS, you may visit www.hiv.gov, or you can also visit the World Health Organization for more information. And as a friendly reminder, this podcast is not a substitute for any mental health consultation and only serves to spread awareness. And if you know anyone or you yourself are having concerns over your mental health, you may visit us at mindcareclub.org to book an appointment with any of our first step providers. After the initial assessment, we will then refer you to the proper mental health professional as needed. And if you'd like to learn more of today's most relevant issues on mental health and wellness, subscribe to the MindCare podcast now on Spotify. Stay tuned again next week as we continue to help lessen sadness in the world. Thank you. Bye.